Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts and Britney Spears sympathizer, Brian. And as always, I'm joined by the host with the most, Darcy. An ardent defender of Janet Jackson. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, so um, I hope, glad, thank you for everyone joining us today. And uh, well, this week we do have news, unlike last week. So uh, we'll get this started with that. Um, so first off, uh, Humble Bundle, which uh, I know we've talked about a couple times here before, has um, teamed up with Humanoids Comics and currently has a bundle available mainly focusing on the works of renowned comic book artist Mobius. Uh, there are four tiers of, of bundles ranging from $1 to $25, uh, but Humble Bundle did advise that comics only available by spending the $25 or more level um, were once available before in the, in the 2020 Humanoids Humble Bundle. So if you, if you went in on that, maybe the $25 uh, section is not for you. Um, books uh, include Angel Claws, The Ink Call, and Muse. Um, there's a lot of translated European comics in here, so if you've been interested in getting into that world of comics, this might be a good place to start. Definitely, I think, you know, like, uh, you know, I've said before, I think, probably, I've said before in my real life, I don't know if I've said here, Humble Bundles can be expensive, but definitely, you're definitely getting, like, your money's worth with as much as you get, and European comics can be like I know like they're one of the last places people go like oh there's so many American comics to get into why would you want to you know like spend all that money on some weird European comic you've never heard of uh, this is definitely a way to do that like there are so many European comics out there that are really really good and you know support a translator like I was talking about a couple of weeks ago definitely Absolutely. something to give it a try and this is a way to do that it's not a bad idea definitely and i think the one thing that european comics are known for are, is the art so um you know like if you're if you're really interested in just like art styles that kind of push the limit of what comic books are it's just you know it's nice to look at european comics because european comics speaking of a thing we said we'd do last week it's maria yovette yes that's correct. Yeah. One, so, one of the times we said it right, <laughs> all the other times we said it yes. really so, incorrectly. <laughs> I'm going to go back into that episode and uh, re-edit it so it's just the one time. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to, I'll keep it the way it is. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, um, well, next up, um, Vault Comics and Graphic Audio have teamed up to produce two audio books based on the first two volumes of the Vagrant Queen um Vagrant Queen comic book by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith. Uh, the adaptations will feature a full cast of actors, immersive sound effects, and cinematic music. Uh, Vagrant Queen was originally adapted as a TV show on sci-fi. It was critically championed, but unfortunately was not popular enough to get a second season. So if you had watched that uh, before, this might be the, a great place to go or read the comics as well. Um, Vagrant Queen is the story of a former child queen whose throne is taken from her and now works as a bounty hunter and smuggler in space while avoiding the revolutionary forces that want her dead. Uh, the audio series will be released uh, April 21st. I think everything should get audio series. Obviously, I'm incredibly, incredibly partial to audio series. Um, I also think everything should just get motion comics because of my age and I'm incredibly, like, 
partial to motion comics, but audio dramas, yes, I'm all for it. I'm here for it. I've not read that comic, but I don't even care. Audio series, love it. Uh, I've read the first volume. It's it's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Um, did not watch the show, but um, whoever they get to play the characters, I'm sure it'll be good. And actually, thanks to you, I've been getting more into to the uh, radio dramas and everything. So it's it, and it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a different world. And it's it's pretty entertaining. The technology has come so far. Like some people do, it, even if you're like not really, even if you don't have a ton of money for it, you can do really fantastic stuff with just like fairly basic technology. Uh, you put some effort into it. Like people are doing fantastic stuff. I, I listened to one. It's called Magnus, um, and. It's, it's super freaking simple and he it's just one guy doing like this simple suspense like sci-fi creepy ass little story and they're incredible there's like from the university I went to just like this group of people do one kind of like uh, it's like atomic library I think the atomic library it's not like it's not a marvel production it's just you know like a university started as a university production they do incredible work so when you get somebody that's backed by somebody powerful you know by an actual production company necessarily powerful not disney you know but by an actual production company they can do amazing things with an actual background so you know it may not be a marvel movie kind of thing but like to talk about big two, the Marvel audio series have done really incredible technology enhancements that 360 Mike they did with their Marvel series. These audio dramas, if you're not listening to them, I really suggest you go out and listen to them because they're not like what we're doing here. They're not just people talking on a microphone. They are full-on shows that have great plots the Benjamin Percy Wolverine series was incredible and worth listening to the story was great the acting was amazing the sound effects were just immersive as all hell so these things are really worth getting into and I fully recommend them you know comic book podcasts whatever a lot of them are based on comic books a lot of them are like have like writers who write comic books like they're involved they have that same scripting to them so again fully recommend totally and i am a fan of um the wolverine um radio show as well that or radio um podcast <laughs> yeah wolverine the long night is, yeah. is still probably my favorite right now oh it was yeah it was great and, and the thing is is i even read it as when they adapted it back into a comic mm. and it it wasn't the same so it definitely it was good but no yeah. it definitely wasn't the same it, it, and so i can yeah definitely attest that the the, the acting and the folly work fully work and everything just went made it leaps and bounds even better than it was in the first place and richard armitage hands down he's my wolverine you know like screw who jackman go he's to not, hell richard got armitage got that voice oh yeah definitely just um i don't know how tall he is in real life but if if he's he plays, feet... he, he played a dwarf you know oh oh yeah <laughs> that's true so yeah <laughs> he's used to it so yeah I, I i you know what i i like hugh jackman but you know i mean i i still to this day want a a nice short stocky 
you know, fire plug Wolverine. Yep, That'd me be nice too. On screen one day. Absolutely. As maybe, someone who is 5'2", so do I. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Daniel Radcliffe, as I've heard rumors of. <laughs> yes. That would be hilarious. It'd be so strange, but kind of <laughs> awesome because he's actually a good actor. You know, I mean, he is, yeah. So you know, it's, it'd, be, it'd be very interesting. Um, but yeah, um, definitely, uh, Bigger Queen is a good comic, and hopefully, I mean, I actually have a good feeling that the audio drama will be as as good, if not better. Next, we have our quick hits. Um, Darcy, uh, do you want, as always, to start today? I will. I. <sighs> didn't read any comics this week that's actually a lie i read one comic it was a marvel comic it was u.s agents like the worst comic i've read in my <laughs> life so i i won't talk about it except you know don't read u.s agents the worst comic ever written oh, wow. um so i'll just um so this happened and he's like what and then okay the- <laughs> and mom-in-law comes over for lunch and they just straight up like talk it's the weirdest freaking relationship like they don't have an open relationship it's not okay like he's mm-hmm. not happy about it <laughs> and the next day like they go out to lunch like a like a baby shower or something it's the weirdest freaking thing i've ever read as far as a relationship they're acting she's she's acting like they have some sort of open relationship but the girl she cheated on her with is confused and upset and the husband's confused and upset and everybody's just like what's going on so i keep reading it because i'm confused (laughs) (laughs) it definitely sounds like a a, an interesting like like take and it's actually a a a pretty big risk to take you know to to make your protagonist kind of the villain and you know she's yeah she's she's a weird because she's not you're not she's not set up to hate necessarily because she doesn't she doesn't want to hurt anybody she's definitely not out to hurt anybody she's just very much confused about her own feelings but in being confused about her own feelings, she is hurting everybody around her. Um, and that's interesting. It's an interesting situation. And it's not very dramatic. Like, it's not, you know, like uh, Real Housewives of Orange County. Like, nobody's freaking out about everything, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's just like, yeah, this isn't nice. This isn't fun. Everybody's super chill about the cheating. Just super chill and unhappy it's interesting so i'm kind of into it i don't know yeah it, it doesn't sound like anything that's really come out recently you know yeah so i, I don't know it, uh, it is it is it's not like anything i've really ever read but i don't read weird relationship <laughs> mix-ups so maybe it's just not like anything i personally have ever read and there's lots of stuff like it i don't know yeah, we'll see I, like an adult take on adult situations it's, yeah. it's interesting definitely so yeah i'm very interested in hearing how that goes (laughs) definitely me too so i chose uh last witch number two as my quick hit this week it's a a boom book i'm not surprised right that i'm talking about a boom book um it is uh, written by connor mccurry art by vv glass uh colors by natalia nestorenko and letters by jim campbell um last witch has its roots in fairy tales and celtic mythology but also is about a young girl named shirsi who discovers that she also contains the magical abilities 
and um, of a witch, and it is up to her to fight these other evil witches and stop them from uh, ending the world. And um, there's there's a bit of an exposition dump in issue two, which I've mentioned before, I'm not a huge fan of when it's just kind of text after text, page after page in the comic, but it's charming enough, and it's it, it was and it's an interesting enough world where where it didn't bother me too much. Um, the art is very reminiscent of old Disney art, like kind of like that fairy tale Disney style coloring and art. So, but yet this is kind of a darker story than like anything from that era of Disney, you know, even Sleeping Beauty, which is probably one of the darkest <laughs> Disney movies. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it has, it has its own feel and take and it's, it's an interesting fairy tale story so far. How are the colors for like a dark Disney? it still has a vibrant color like you know like that's kind of you know it's 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 a little muted but um you know lots of primaries lots you know like it's it's very much like a very like simple and uh, color scheme but mm-hmm. but yet there's a there's a good amount of shading and stuff especially when they go into the woods that that kind of gives it a little more of a dark flair to it it's interesting. I might have to check that out. I love classic Disney art, and I do like witches, so that might be fun. Oh yeah, yeah, me, me too, definitely. And um, it 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 revolves around. I'm gonna butcher the word, but I believe it's Kaliak, which is like a very old Celtic witch, like myth, like myth. You know, about mm-hmm. this, like the queen of witches, essentially. Right, and right. So, so like I'm 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 kind of cool. I like as as you'll see in the in when we talk about the main topic. I like it when comics and other forms of media kind of dive into old mythologies. So, you know, well, um, definitely that kind of has me going as well. Speaking of, um, I think now it's time actually for the main course. So uh, this week is uh, Heathen by uh, Natasha Alterici. And uh, she also she has she's a writer and also has art duties in volumes one and two, with um, Rachel Deering doing letters in that in those volumes as well. Ashley A. Woods and artist um, is the artist, and Morgan Martinez does the letters for the third and final volume. Uh, this is the story of Adis, and um, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, but that's the the pronunciation I'm sticking with. Um, Adis, uh, who is a young Viking woman that is ex- exiled from her village after she's caught kissing another girl from the same village. Uh, Adis uh, decides to not let this bring her down and decides that she's going to become a warrior um, that she is. She feels that she is destined to be and free the former leader of the Valkyries, Brynhild, who had also had been banished from her fellow immortals by Odin, the kings of king of gods himself on this journey Adis meets various gods and sprites a band of slave freeing pirates and carnivorous mermaids to name a few things um i chose heathen for this week because it's one of my favorite recent comics and i'm always looking for another excuse to read it <laughs> i also do uh do not know many others who have read read this so far and have been really wanting to discuss it so i'm kind of making darcy discuss it with me this week <laughs> and uh i did talk about heathen a couple uh times in past episodes but i'm actually very excited to do a fully full episode on this um but darcy uh do you have some more feelings or something completely different how do you feel probably something completely different i was not a fan oh <laughs> 
And I apologized really, really hard. Oh. I felt really bad. Oh, no worries. But yeah. overall, I kind of didn't like it. Um, there were characters I did like. I liked the mermaids. Mm -hmm. I liked the inhuman characters. The wolves were fun. The horse was fun. Um, I, I really did like the mermaids. The mermaids were a lot of fun. But the humans just always felt like the dialogue, they were like lecturing each other constantly. Like their dialogue wasn't dialogue. They weren't talking to each other. Mm -hmm. They weren't having conversations. They were just lecturing at each other. They were, and, and it wasn't fun to listen to them. The resolution of the story felt quick. And even though it had been set up like with the the fact that we'd heard over and over that her mother had died in the woods like it didn't feel right at all that it would move Odin in the least that story of her mother dying in the woods Odin didn't care about women he didn't care about children he, he didn't care about people um so it didn't make any sense that he would care about the story of women or children or people that it would move him to change the story or to change the fate of Brunhild uh like I had to keep going back and check the of when it was made because so people who fight in like in the nude are braver people but like 99.9 percent .9 of this book wasn't fighting so there wasn't really bravery to be had and especially right now when it's 10 degrees outside where I am, like it's cold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up with Xena warrior princess. I can respect the boob armor to some extent at some points in the nineties when that was a thing. I liked Witchblade. I, I can handle it. I can do it. I've got no problems in certain situations, but it's cold. Xena was in the Mediterranean where it's warm she's in a cold place and most characters for the most i mean she was human maybe for freya she was a god it was kind of more okay i i there were just lots of things that really kind of made me feel awkward and i, I i'm obviously i kind of think it was me because i kind of went and checked what other people were saying and so many people really really love this book so I really kind of feel this has more to do with me and my opinion of the book than like how the book is itself there were lots of things that I did see that like I said I, I really liked the who was the person who transformed uh Rudan Rudan had some fun moments not necessarily the first time he sh showed up as the bull I didn't really like that but later on when he was the fox that was fun. Um, okay, the mermaids were still my favorite part. Mm -hmm. The wolves as they reoccurred, that was fun. The art itself, uh, like through the middle, specifically I think in volume two, I really loved the art in volume two where it just kind of blended. That was really, really good. Color choices, I think, were really well done. But I, I don't know, just I think mainly what really killed me on this book, why I couldn't get into it ever, was the dialogue was just so unnatural. It never felt like anybody was making a connection to me. They were talking in ways people wouldn't talk about things. And it just, I, I don't know, I just couldn't get into it.
No, totally. I totally understand. Um, I, I I was a little. I mean, I I felt a, a little more soft on the on the dialogue, you know. Like, yeah, it, it does seem a little stilted at some places. I kind of I kind of feel that if that the story is kind of going for that old like the oral storyteller because there's a lot of nuances yeah. and you know so like I think that kind of changes the dialogue um, in some places where it does you know it doesn't sound natural because it sounds more like someone's talking to a chorus or a group of people right instead of just one person and I can I can see that being being a turnoff um, you know but like and as well as that that was definitely one of the things when I um the armor as well as you know like basically um like what like Adis wears and the reason for her wearing it um you know that was one of the things that I was you know kind of questioning as well um I kind of saw it akin towards like the the Scott you know Scottish you know ancient Scottish men wearing the kilts in like old cold weather as well but still you know like you know it it's definitely a comic because if this was in real life i'm sure she would have froze a lot and and she did explain it later on why she did it and i i got that but she wasn't constantly in battle and that's kind of what threw me is if she were if it were for when she were i don't know it's just i don't know and i did like the um the parts with with the mermaids as well as as the pirates mm-hmm. i i thought it was kind of cool that um the pirates were all basically kind of like cultures and like and nationalities that have been enslaved by europeans throughout year you know the years yeah and, definitely that whole section i really enjoyed yeah that was kind of a fun interlude you know like uh kind of mm-hmm. you know kind of it's off the story a little bit but you know it's very cool yeah. um the two wolves actually are a big part of, of Norse mythology. mythology. Yeah. Like I said just earlier, you know, like I love when, when stuff like that and the fact that they became friends with, with Saga the horse because, you know, Saga had helped them, which turns out not to be a horse at all. I do think the the non-human characters, like the animals as well as the gods, were, um, especially the animals were kind of like my favorite part as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely love a sassy horse apparently i think i've read sassy horses are fun (laughs) and and like where um turns out that saga ends up with brunhild and her old you know basically her love um sigurd for most of the book and there's a part where um saga keeps on agreeing with brunhild and sigurd's like well why don't you agree with me he's like well i agree with the person who's right you know it's like Mm -hmm. very blatant yeah, I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, the um, the themes, one of Christianity, kind of changing the 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 scope and the aspect of you know like the way that people are in the world, um, was was pretty interesting. The whole situation with the witch, you know, where where they're gonna burn a a woman who they think is a witch who turned out actually to be a witch, and Bernhild is like well yeah like you guys have had witches all your you know for decades what's wrong with them now and it turned out that they had had converted to christianity and now witches were viewed as like as evil so i thought that was pretty interesting yeah i don't know it just felt obvious to me yeah i i i 
I, I hate to say that because so many things do. It's not like it's not like tropes are bad. I don't I don't think tropes are bad. It's I I'm never gonna be one to I like friggin' anime anime and manga which are rife with tropes and they do them obviously and horrible and and I, I think part of my problem might be and and again I hate to say this too because this is stupid and this is just with me like one of my first obsessions as a little little kid was um Norse mythology mm -hmm. like one of the first chapter books I read was on Norse mythology and so like I went through this obsession like when I was five to ten and so kind of you know and reading Thor comics when I was tiny tiny and so like Thor is one of my least favorite superheroes kind of thing I I, I kind of find him annoying unless he's doing something like stupid crazy dumb stuff because that's not like Thor like I prefer frog Thor you know, because mm -hmm. screw regular traditional Thor. So I, I feel most people who do stuff like this do like the obvious stuff that everybody kind of has already done. And I, again, I hate to say stuff like that because that's, it sounds so pretentious and so rude and so awful. Um, but I, I guess that's just maybe why it just didn't connect with me mm -hmm. so much was I, I just felt I had, I had, I had seen this before and I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. I feel kind of awful because I, I read so many people who said they really, really liked it. And I just, I just couldn't, I don't know. I, I, feel I terrible. No, no, don't feel terrible. I mean, it's just, it's your opinion, you know? I mean, like you're not going to like everything and, and even if someone else likes it, it doesn't mean that you're going to like it. But, um, and, and, um, I uh, completely understand where you're coming from about about you know kind of the redundancy of of tropes and and themes and like in myths and like kind of being exposed to them at a young age. Um, I you know I feel that way more with um, Greek mythology. I would say because yeah. I I grew up yeah that the Greek mythology was my my thing and so I definitely. 100% relate to you and like yours was Norse but mine was 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 Greek and like and like there's a lot of Greek mythology based stuff where I'm just like yeah okay once again it's the story of the hero and blah 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 it's like okay mm -hmm. you know been there done that this has been written you know a 2000 years ago <laughs> like you know like let's let's move on so I um no I I told I totally understand exactly where you're coming from and and you know it's you know um i i'm sorry if i made you read something that you enjoyed but. no it was definitely interesting to read it because like i said it was something a lot of people had you definitely weren't the first person to recommend it uh so you know eventually i would have gotten around to it at some point so mm -hmm. and i know other people who have been recommended it so hey and now I've, people know and i've made you uh talk about it on the main stage here yeah, there we go <laughs> so i think i already kind of know the answer to this because i do feel kind of it's uh it was kind of expected but the fact that it was the reason why rudan and freya freya was um were helping adis so much was because they felt guilty like to what they did to brunhild about yeah. brunhild um i mean that made sense 
I don't know. It might have just been me blanking out. I don't know that it was well established why it was necessarily her they were helping, except for they believed in her bravery. But they did make it obvious that she wasn't the first one to make it or even necessarily the second or third or fourth one to make it like lots of people had made it so it's like was she necessarily the first one they were helping or she just the first one that had succeeded and that was kind of like a combination of I don't just I just I didn't necessarily feel like she was the strongest protagonist that story she had her background of her mother's survival is not a bad story I don't want to say that it's a good story like it has some precedence in like in mythology of itself you know like there are several mythological you know like babies outliving their mothers you know like in like three or four mythologies where their mother dies and the baby lives in the woods or twins live in the woods alone Mm -hmm. that has precedence so there is something to that but that alone wasn't enough to make that character's background strong enough I thought nor was like the lesbianism enough like this constant hit at deviantism deviantism is that a Mm -hmm. word deviantism does it need the t deviantism I think it needs the t deviantism um being like the main hit against odin that was a weird reading on the mythology for me like i've read norse mythology in reading about mythology like huh that was a weird take on norse mythology for me which has some queer elements like more than a few queer elements to it mm-hmm. i didn't really like that as a reading of norse mythology myself personally uh, I, uh, that was another problem I had just like this reading of Norse mythology as being so incredibly heavily anti-queer but um, taking away from that um, where was I going with this oh that one thing in her background that birth was I was important but that alone moving Odin that alone moving necessarily above all of the other previous um saviors of Brunhild was sort of strange because the rest of them had the bravery too they had to have because Mm -hmm. they would have broken through the fire as well so I just there was nothing really in her I saw like that made her so special other than storytelling but her stories we never heard were hers they were all her father's stories and her father's stories were just the traditional myths that are pre-established and so since nothing was 
original and hers. They were her father's stories and her father's stories were just myths that are pre-established since her own story isn't, and again, mother's deaths aren't nothing, but it's not extraordinary. And since the storytelling, as you said, is an, a way to frame dialogue, but it's still lecturing. It's just lecturing each other. It wasn't, it, it wasn't anything outstanding. It wasn't anything different. She, she wasn't doing anything different than what Freya was doing. She wasn't doing anything different than what her friend was doing. She wasn't doing anything different than what anybody was doing her character wasn't noticeably different from any other character except for she wanted to do it was it just wanting to do it but again the other ones had to have wanted to do it too what was it about her that was different just because she kissed a girl i think um the the reason the reason why it's it's Adis and and not anybody else who had said before was because it was I think it was established and it took me a couple of reads to to see this um, that um, the one the people who saved saved Brunhild before they their their goal was to marry Brunhild and she wanted to free her and and that yeah and Adis's motivation was not to marry but to to free her and so that's I think what piqued the interest of Freya. And and what Rudan like? Oh well, this person's actually gonna do something that we can't ourselves do for some reason, you know. So, and I I agree that the story, yeah, o Odin, Odin who has absolutely no faith in love for humans. In fact, his whole excuse the entire time during the story is like, oh, humans are gonna kill themselves and like they're gonna, you know, rape and pillage and murder. And it's up to me, you know, to to give them rules and laws or they, you know, they're they're just savages essentially. And so the, you know, the story of of a mother dying to make sure that her daughter lives, you know, is not, you know, it wouldn't be compelling to someone like Odin. Um, I almost kind of feel like he was backed in the corner because he's lost his sight he lost his his power essentially and he and, he, and he's also kind of you know like I, when they finally confront him he is not he is no longer the powerful god that he once was and so i almost feel like that was more of a motivation for him because he's like yeah like what else am i gonna do you know <laughs> which is interesting like like kind of a you know like a a final battle being like well we just weakened you to the point where you're just going to give in you know so but that wasn't the expression that was drawn on his face it wasn't surrender it was like awe yeah like, like it was like he was moved by it like there was compassion yeah and and i i agree that that is kind of a of a of a weird take on the on the story um it was also just a weird take on odin to me yeah because odin I mean, he's got, he's definitely got a violent side. He's a Norse god. They're all mm -hmm. part of that. But he's also a god of wisdom. And it was just, I don't know. He just I, seemed very single-minded. But maybe, maybe we're supposed to see that he's gone through changes since the Christians have come through. He's become... and, and there's been changes in him because of 
but I just don't think that was incredibly well established. But there, yeah. there weren't any other gods either, and maybe we're supposed to see. But it's also Brunhild's been in that fire for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so one would expect that he's been like that for a long time. I mean, he's always an asshole, but he's an asshole with depths, and he yeah. didn't show any depths. I don't know. I just didn't really like this portrayal of Odin. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I think that the the purpose of the story is kind of like a a, a very like a view, a anti patriarchal society view. Oh yes, um, I mean it straight up says. Yeah, it it does not hide that at all. That I think that's like the main theme, and and that it's placed into the world of, of Norse and Vikings and. Um, you know, like, and it, it it kind of is placed a little rough, like like you were just saying, you know, like like it, like not everything doesn't, you know, it, like the characters that that we know historically, you know, through myths and legends, are not exactly the way they normally are in this book, and and I because I I feel like it was it is kind of a of a not perfect placement of the story that that was. Altrichi that Natasha Altrichi wanted to, to tell. Um, I like, I like the, I like the fact that it is in, like you know, like Norse mythology. One because I've you know if it was Greek mythology, I'd probably be in the same place that you are right now. And two, I liked, <laughs> I I I always found it like the whole like the I think one of the things that really sold me in in the first part of the book in the series was her putting the horns on the um on her helmet and that's yeah. that's like a stereotype of vikings like everyone even the minnesota viking football team that's what their logo is is horns right and that was just because christians wanted to basically make them sound like they were evil and so they made them sound like they were devil-like and demon-like and that and so like real vikings never had horns on their on their helmets so her putting it on there because she wanted to be represented as like you know as a demon as a as a heathen like as someone who is not you know like part of society i thought that was a kind of a cool gesture as well and it was a good horn choice the antlers Mm -hmm. and it was well positioned and i thought the helmet was the best part of her costume seconded by her cape which was very further furry and reminded me of mononoke i thought that was well done ah yeah mononoke i could totally see that yeah i really liked that um, I, I really, really liked the art. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of stuff about the art that I just really enjoyed. There was a lot of fluidity to like, especially when things were moving. The I really liked those damn mermaids. <laughs> the water, the water scenes um, were very um, like when uh, the two of them. What was that girl's name that fell into the water? Um, and lost De- her leg Deja Deja when Deja fell oh, into the water and the one oh, mermaid came oh, up to bite her leg apologies Dahia Dahia um like that was a really eerie scene with just great imagery and fantastic colors oh totally so there there was a lot of really fantastic art um I, I know that it wasn't every issue wasn't the same artist um but uh 
even with different styles and different coloring and uh, like completely different styles, you, different mediums used, mm -hmm. uh, there was a consistency to it that was very well done. Uh, the coloring, again, I said this at the beginning, the coloring was well chosen for um, the atmosphere and for the locations. Uh, I, I hate to say just bad things the whole way through and I shouldn't because I definitely liked the way this book looked. Um, it, it looked very good um, and, and that definitely deserves credit because I think they did a good job on the aesthetics of what they created here. Yeah, the pale colors are awesome. I, I, it's almost black and white and it's just like just hints of, of like pale color. Yeah, the, it was a really kind of neutral color palette with like soft browns and tans, like really some olives in there, especially once you get uh, to Heimdall with the with the uh, trolls. Um, so yeah, I mean, just really gorgeous color choices. The palette was very well used. I, I yeah, I, I, I thought they did a really great job with that. I I like um, Alterici, um her art um, from one through eight, because um, mm. a lot because of how, like it's very like there's parts where it's very detailed, and then I think to help kind of with the action scenes, things get very cartoony. Where a this is like I is just a dot, and like it, it like it has a very cartoonish look to it. At some and it places. bleeds out a little bit, a little bit at the edges. Yes. Yeah, that that works really well for for the motion and for the, again for the aesthetic. It gives you a good good vibe. Mm -hmm. And then like Ashley Woods, who does the last four issues, um, I I agree. Like um, the art style is is almost completely different, but it works. It just it, it, it you can still. She does such a good job blending her art style with Alterici's style where it's not jarring. It's not all of a sudden like you're reading a different book. You know? I was surprised at first and I definitely missed um, going into that third volume. I, I was kind of sad to lose. I, I definitely preferred the art in volume two, uh, but I settled in really quickly into the art in volume three and, and was fine with it because it the characters I mean, they looked almost exactly the same. It was kind of just that fluidity wasn't necessarily there as much. Um, but otherwise the characters were spot on. Like mm -hmm. that design was so hard in, they knew exactly what they were drawing. They knew they were all incredibly comfortable with that world, that that world design was really well realized. No, to totally, it, it definitely has an aesthetic that they keep through the whole thing. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, not really. Um, again, I, I feel bad not liking a thing. Uh, mm. Overall, I didn't really like it. And I feel awful because I know you do. And I'm yeah. so sorry. But no I, I do have to give full credit to the work they did on building it out, on building the world. Um, I, I think they did do a good job with that. You know, full credit to anyone who does the work that they did, you know, making 12 comics is not an easy job uh, and a lot of people do like this book just because I don't like it does not mean that you won't like it uh, my major problems with it are that it doesn't do mythology the way that I like the mythology of this period um, and I don't really like the dialogue all that much and I like comics with a lot less dialogue so if you're happy with dialogue 
And if you don't have a background in Norse mythology the way I do, like I'm an academic about it, I'm not. I just have read a lot of shit. Well, you have history um, with it. Yeah, right. uh, I, I have history with it. That makes me really particular. If you don't have those two things, you might really, really enjoy this book. So don't necessarily take my not liking it too seriously. Yeah, and, and also at the same time, don't take my loving it too seriously either. I mean, uh, uh, to each their own. Everyone has their opinion um the first volume is is relatively inexpensive on comiXology um so it, you know and those are the first four issues um so if you're kind of wanting to dip your toes in it and you're not sure definitely i mean it's a it's like four or five bucks for the i think it's four bucks for the for the first four issues so not too bad um getting it digitally comiXology has sales quite frequently yeah. so it's, it's not a bad thing to jump on definitely and there's a lot of sample pages as well so if you can if you want to take a look at the art and and kind of get an idea of whether or not that's for you i would i would definitely recommend it um but yeah you can I, always check your local library people libraries oh, yes. have comics yes both digitally and and physically that mm -hmm. the way to do it i need to get on that actually i i always mean to do that and i just never do and i really need to do that I do Hoopla and uh, one, I think it's uh, Overdrive. Mm -hmm. I, I read comics on there every once in a while. Sometimes they can be hard. You got to wait for them, you know, like uh, they only have access. They have licenses for like one or two copies. Uh, so you've got to put yourself on the wait list. But I've read uh, like I've read several Tilly Walden mm. through uh, through uh, library ebooks. That's awesome. I love Tilly Walden. As well, it so. is. I read *Prince and the Dressmaker* through library ebooks. I went to Barnes and Noble last, yeah, a couple days ago, specifically to pick that up because I've been meaning to pick it up. And they had a copy the last couple times I went there, not not there, missing this time. But I did go go away with a hard copy of *Papaya Salad*, so I'm I was okay. Did with you it. really? Yes. It's got red side pages. I love it, and that was Isn't one of the gorgeous? things that sold me on it. So yeah, previous subject of our podcast and definitely loved one of comic. both of our favorite books yeah that's absolutely awesome and have you not read prince and the dressmaker i have not read prince and the dressmaker yet we so, need to do that oh definitely future I, future episode uh, i don't think we've done any first second books yet either so i would definitely be happy no wait um after the sun is the first second book so we just did did one but still regardless <laughs> we can Someday. we'll, do, we'll, we'll do get one. there yes all right all right. Well, um, all right. I think that's about it for our main course. Then I hope you guys are all full and enjoyed it. Um, I'm kind of going with this analogy here. Okay, so we've come to the uh, dessert of our episode, uh, the final section uh, where we talk about books that we're looking forward to in the near future. Uh, Darcy, what are you looking forward to? Well, I almost picked, I was looking at the comicsology like things we're looking forward to in the future. Apparently there is a comic series, all 12 issues dropping called The Christ. And I was like, what the heck? Um, but I didn't pick that because I'm actually probably never going to read that. But I thought that was crazy. All 12 issues dropping on the same day. Netflix. Uh, just yeah dropping it like netflix yeah. but what i am looking forward to is a book called the girl without a face mm. uh by tiron tiron it's from yen press mm -hmm. um and i tried to find somebody who would actually really tell me what this is about but 
all I could find was this little snippet that Yen Press gives. It's this guy who has a girlfriend who he thinks is cute, but she has hard to read facial features. And that's kind of all they tell you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> the cover is a guy and a girl like huddled up together. He's got her, his arm around her shoulders and she doesn't have a, a face. Hmm. And I was like, okay. It just really, really intrigued me. That can go many directions. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see. I don't know if it's like. It's like, I think it's just a romance story. It's not a horror or anything. Oh, no. But, you know, the name and the cover, I was like, creepy. But then I looked at it, you know, the description, and it's just like, it's a romance story. And I was like, you can't do that. That looks like a horror story. But yeah. I think it's just, you know, she's got like a straight face. I was like, man, that looks scary. But I think it's just a romance, and she's got a hard to read face mm. as a child of the 80s you know what that title makes you think of right girl without a face like, oh yeah yeah <laughs> Billy Idol, eyes without a face eyes without a face yeah yeah so. i've got that i've got that cd somewhere <laughs> but no that that does sound actually really cool and like like definitely let us know because that sounds like it could be a lot of different stories so it sounds pretty cool it could be who knows what at this point. Who the heck knows what? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it's secretly a horror story. Just gets creepier and creepier as it goes along. That's cool. All right. Well, who knows? I, I have a book um, called Shadow Doctor, uh, number one from Aftershock Comics that's coming out next week. Uh, it's by Peter Calloway with art by. George Gente, uh, Georges, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but it, um, it is actually the story is based on the life of Calloway's grandfather, who was a black man that graduated from medical school in 1930 Chicago. He's unable to uh, get a job at a hospital or secure a bank loan because racism, and so he ends up being forced to work for none other than um mafia leader al capone during the prohibition era and is basically his like number one doctor and su surgeon <laughs> like under the table so i'm i'm always up for stories of marginalized individuals being told and then and this sounds like it will be a very interesting one with a different perspective that we usually then we'll usually hear about prohibition era chicago so i'm i'm kind of all, all bored in this one that sounds really interesting interesting it, it totally does um so maybe we'll be talking about that soon in the future as well um yeah definitely if it's good pass yeah. it on no, totally definitely um so well we've reached the end of our show this week um first of all a big thank you to everyone listening to our show once again and if you have a question or comment you can send us an email to comics at gmail.com or follow us on instagram and twitter at cdb pod uh check our website out at comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com for all our episodes and socials as well as a, a form on our contact page to request a subject for us to do it on a future show also 
please give us a review, preferably five stars or whatever you want to give us. Um, write a few letters down on the platform where you are listening to us currently, right now, at this very second. Um, Darcy, where can we find you on the internets? Um, I am at books underscore serial on Twitter um, and booksandserial.wordpress.com. Um, and right now I'm listening to Tomorrow's Monster. Speaking of radio shows, it's uh, got John Boyega in it. Um, it's like a brand new radio show that's just dropped. It's sci-fi. Uh, it's super good. Um, I highly suggest it. I'm going to like listen to a couple more episodes, try to see... I, I don't know. I might need to listen to the whole thing before I get to a, a good spot, but I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be talking about this at some point, but uh, John Boyega is amazing. Everybody knows he's amazing. I don't know anyone who doesn't know he's amazing. You'd have to be stupid to not think that. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you've been, as I said earlier, holding out on, uh, on podcasts that do scripted work, uh, hop on this it's called Tomorrow's Monsters. So I checked out the, the first two episodes um, on your recommendation um, and definitely, yeah. enjoy, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, it it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's great to hear Boyega's real accent as well. So I'm glad he's doing. He's got a fantastic accent. Yeah. I love hearing him talk in his natural British everything. Mm-hmm. Me too, definitely. It's pretty cool. And so I, I that's another that's something that I need to watch soon is Attack the Block, which like it was his first movie that he was Attack in. Attack the Block, so good. Yeah, I've never seen it and I've heard only good things about it. So I definitely need to check it out. So definitely. I was only introduced to him through Star Wars. So I, I wanna definitely get in read re, re, see a lot more stuff that he's been in. It's definitely worth it. Okay. Well, um, you can find me on Instagram at Brygen underscore CB and on Twitter at Brygen2814. So, well, for Darcy, I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Remember, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Stay warm. Thank you. Bye.